Hi, I'm Karina. I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Hey, I'm Richard. I'm Richard Urban. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a real joy to lead this great community that I call family. And uh, if you're a guest today, thank you for dropping by. You might be coming from anywhere around the world. Uh, all kinds of countries drop on here and we're glad you came. We're glad you arrived and we hope the word today will really excite you. In fact, maybe you could drop in the chat where you're coming from, what country or what city or what suburb. That will be awesome. All right. I wonder, have you ever had a really embarrassing moment where you kind of misread the whole situation? I've had a lot in my life and I've actually got a little bit of a track record and I remember one time many years ago when I had all of my family together in an airport. I've got four, at that stage I had four young boys, they're all big and growing up now, but we had four young boys, my wife and I, and we were heading off somewhere, I can't remember exactly, we're pretty tired, we're pretty jaded, I mean can you imagine looking after four boys and their bags, their luggage and documentation and all the stuff. Anyway, we're there at this airport, this international airport, and we're in a queue to board the plane. And as I said, bit tired, jaded, uh, standing there in the queue. And to my surprise, a gentleman just walked up the queue, right up the side of the queue, past me, past the person behind me, past the people in front of me, all the way up to the airport counter, went through that, that airport counter, through that barrier, and onto the plane. And I was thinking, how rude can you be? Now, admittedly, I'm a little bit tired right now, and I'm beginning to think, what's going on? Like, how can he do that? And I'm starting to get a little bit heated, a bit hot-headed, if you like. And so I storm up to the counter going, hey, what happened with that guy? We've been waiting here for so long, waiting to get on board, on board this plane. And I forget exactly what she said, the, the airport attendant, but she said, gave me a simple explanation, an obvious explanation, and everybody heard the situation, and I was really, really embarrassed. I realized I totally misread the situation. Things were not as I thought they were. Things were not as I perceived that they were. Is anybody facing a difficult situation out there? Like this week coming, the week's just gone by, relationship, finance, health, um, just uncertainty, just a, a inside, maybe just feeling a bit depressed, a bit down, a bit discouraged. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about a situation you're going through. Maybe it's a wayward child, a teenage son or daughter that you're really concerned about. I mean, it could be a whole lot of things, and, and legitimately so, right? I want to ask you this question. Are you reading it correctly? Have you got a correct perspective on the situation that you are facing right now? I'm going to play a little bit of a game with you right now, and I'm going to throw up on the screen here an image, and I want you to think about the initial image, the first thing that you see with this image. Are you ready? Are you ready now? Okay, one, two, three, boom. What do you see right there? If you see a rabbit, 
You can put a rabbit in the chat. If you see a goose, put a goose in the chat. My bet is all of you will fit into one or both of those camps. Either it's a rabbit or it's a goose. It's a trick image, right? And this proves to us that what we initially see and how we initially view something is not complete. Let's do one more. Let's just try one more and see if you can, now that you know what I'm onto, you might try quickly and see both of what, what is presented to you. One, two, three. Up she goes. What do you initially see? Do you see two faces facing each other? Or do you see a vase placed right there in the middle? Here's the point that I'm trying to say today. As you look at difficult situations, what, what if your perspective is incorrect? Like me at the airport. You think you have the correct perspective and view and understanding, but in fact, you don't. You actually don't. You might have a piece of it, but you don't have all of it. And the context is lost and the perspective is lost. Today, I'm super duper duper excited to launch a new series and a, a series that I hope is transformational for you and I personally, but also as a local church here in Auckland City, my prayer and my earnest hope is that it will be pivotal, a pivotal moment after two and a half years of pandemic and other challenges in our local church. So we're calling this new series, Look to the Horizon. And I believe that God wants to give us fresh hope, a fresh outpouring of optimism for life personally and for life for our church. And I love the scripture in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. And Paul encourages us to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you today, friend, God has a bright future for your life. God has a bright future for our local church right here. But the first thing I want to do is acknowledge that it's been tough. Can we just say, uh-huh, exactly, Pastor Richard. It's been tough for you, for me, for many of us, all of us individually, but also as a collective church. It's been a really tough season. And I think it's important to acknowledge it. In fact, if we look at the 12 Steps to Recovery by Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing they encourage you to do is own your current situation, to acknowledge the situation that you're facing right now. And so I acknowledge today that most of us have suffered through the pandemic, including spiritual suffering. But also in our local church here, we've had a surprise of a leadership change recently. And I want to acknowledge all of those. And it's been a really, really difficult season for us as a church. But it's time to start looking forward. I really love this quote from Bishop Manny Carlos, who's part of our Every Nation Church in the Philippines. He has said this quote in a message. He said, we are not going back to the good old days. We're going forward to greater days for God. I believe that. I surely believe that. Do you believe that, Josh? Yes, I do. He does. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the best days are ahead or they're behind us? 
And I think it all depends on how you see things. You see, you can't drive forward towards your destination when you're always looking in the rear vision mirror. That's very dangerous, right? Are you looking forward? Or you keep, are you keep thinking about the good old days, the pre-pandemic days, the, I don't know, 10 years ago days? Things have changed. And there's been an unsettling, but we've got an opportunity right now to begin to form new patterns and begin to form a fresh team, begin to come together, begin to assemble and begin to move forward together as a local church and as individuals. But you know what? We've got to ask the question, do I have a correct perspective? Just like me at the airport. Do I have a correct perspective on life? Do I have an accurate perspective on what I'm going through right now? We're going to go to an Old Testament real life story. I love the story. And it's going to help us answer that question really, really well. So if you turn in your Bibles to the second book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. And I'm going to call the sermon, Is This It? Is This It? Is This It in my life? Is This It for church? Is This It for my family? We're going to answer that question very soon. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And we're going to read right through to verse 20. So we've got a good portion of Scripture. And I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Here we go. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a time, such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. Do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and he demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Wow. Go and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back to Elisha that Elisha is in Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early in the morning, he went outside and there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh no, help! Oh sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean's army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, make them blind. Did you see that? He asked for sight for a servant and blindness for his enemies. O oh Lord, make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. 
Then Elisha went out and told them, you have come to the wrong place. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you were looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. All the while, they're blind, remember. And as soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria, the capital city of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's just break this down. This is amazing. You've got King of Aram, which is modern day Syria. The king of Aram, he wants to conquer the king of Israel. And the king of Syria, he keeps strategically maneuvering his army to wage war and to conquer the king of Israel. But Israel keeps getting intel from Elisha, who's hearing from God. He keeps getting intel and in, in outwitting uh, Syria, the king of Syria. So King of Syria is getting just mad. He's getting frustrated. This keeps happening. And so the problem becomes Elisha, the man of God. So because he's the guy who's advising the king, right? Isn't it amazing? Side note, how the word of God spoken through the prophet kept the Israelites alive. And that's what the word of God will do for you. Anyway, Israel, I mean, sorry, Elisha, he's the target. He's he is the target. In fact, if we would use a Mission Impossible language, Syria wants to immobilize the asset, right? They want to take him out so then they can win this war and finally capture Israel. They find out where Elisha's living in this town called or city called Dotham. Not Gotham, Dotham. And just know, can you note that in the text? It says that they came to him at night. They came to him, the enemy came to him in the dark, in the darkness. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how when you're down and discouraged, and maybe we could say in a dark place, how all kinds of thoughts come. The enemy just comes and he strikes when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling disconnected. The enemy will come in your dark moments and try to take you out. And that's exactly what they did for Elisha and his servant. And the servant wakes up the next morning, wakes up nice and early, it says in the, in the, in the Bible there, and he makes his lovely fresh brew of coffee, and no doubt he steps outside for a bit of fresh air just to look at the landscape, and he drops his coffee. He's absolutely shocked, and he freaks out because there's an army of horses and chariots, which are the most, the strongest, most uh, strategic military weapons of the day. He absolutely freaks out, no doubt. He, he ran inside, he's utterly shocked, and he sees this great army there and he screams, Help! Help! He's afraid for his life. All we see in the story, in the city, are two men, the servant and Elisha. But right in front of them is this great army. It's described as a great army. What chance did they have? I mean, they might have a spear or a knife or a few rocks somewhere. We've got chariots and horses and a great army of trained warriors and the servant cries to Elisha, what can we do now? There's no way out. This is it. It's over, baby. And Elisha says, do not be afraid. 
No worries, mate. What's up with Elisha? What's wrong with you, Elisha? Can't you see the problem? Can't you see the situation? Are you blind? And he tells them, you're not looking at the situation properly. Elisha says, there is more on our side than on their side. And the servant's thinking, what on earth are you talking about, Elisha? Haven't you seen the bank balance? Haven't you seen the calendar? Haven't you seen the, the situation before you? What are you talking about? And the servant says, can't you see what I see? And Elisha says, can't you see what I see? Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Very important point right now. Elisha did not pray that God would change the circumstance. He didn't. Same circumstance. He prayed that he, his eyes would be open. We want our circumstances to change. No doubt you like me. We keep praying Oh, God, change this relationship. Oh, God, get me out of this environment. Oh, God, come for some kind of breakthrough in the situation. But you know what God wants to do often? He wants our perspective to change. He wants us to look at challenges as opportunities. He wants us to see when we feel weak, we are strong. He wants us to begin to look at situations, not defeatist, not in fear, not just with natural eyes, but with, with a spirit of faith and trusting God and believing in God. I think it's really powerful that Elisha didn't say, just get us out of here, God. He said, open his eyes to see the reality of the situation. Open the eyes of the servant to get an accurate perspective. So while you and I might be getting mad at our spouse, getting mad at our kids, getting mad at our financial situation or, or our siblings or our boss or our teacher or the economy or the church or the pastor. God wants you to see with spiritual eyes. Many times we've been looking through natural eyes and just responding in a natural way. We have not got a true and proper perspective. And it's like we need to put on spiritual glasses to begin to see that there are chariots and horses and they're flaming with fire. You see, God's people have got more firepower than the enemy. It's amazing. The enemy will come in in dark times. If you look back now over the last, say, year or two, can you see him working in your life? Can you see him robbing, stealing, and destroying aspects of your life, your soul, your spirit? your relationships. And I want to tell you that God is here to help you. God is here to defend you. God is here to provide for you. Do you see him? Oh Lord, open our eyes to let us see. I think that's a beautiful prayer over the church right now because it's almost like our spiritual eyes have got cataracts on them. They've almost become dull of seeing and we're not seeing with spiritual eyes. We're not seeing with eyes of faith. God opened the servant's eyes and he looked up. And guess what? On the hillside was filled with horses and chariots of fire, as I said before. When eyes were opened, when his eyes were opened, the servant saw the reality 
that he couldn't see before. Are you looking at your challenge and your problem and your conflict correctly? When you look at it now, do you, is, is this it? Is that actually reality? The previous lack of perspective by the servant, it didn't make the reality of the spiritual army any less real. He just couldn't see it. And I love this quote by a Bible teacher called George Morgan. He says, faith is never the imagining of unreal things. It is the grip of things which cannot be demonstrated to the senses, but which are real. The chariots of horses and fire were actually there. He just couldn't see it. Can you see God working in your situation right now? Can you see angelic beings around you? Can you see the enemy working in your mind and your thoughts and your heart? Condemnation, accusation. Can you see the work of the enemy? Friend, I want to tell you today, too many of us live in the natural world. The real world is the spirit world. The real world is what we're not seeing with natural eyes. I want you to look at the blessings of spiritual eyes, having spiritual perspective. I love it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 19 in the NIV. The Apostle Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, wow, this is after this chapter 1 says, filled with all the blessings of knowing Christ, of being regenerated, being redeemed by Christ. And all the way up to verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. Here we go. There's three things that are going to come out. Know the hope to which he has been called. He's called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. I love that. When we see with eyes of faith, our life will show the following three things in our life. And I'm just going to give them simply to you in modern vernacular. Number one, well, hope. Number two, understanding. Number three, power. So hope. The first thing you can draw from the text is hope begins to rise. Spiritual eyes possess hope, an enduring hope, a hope for a, a glorious future, Understanding that God has got all things in control. God is sovereign. God's immutable. God has got your future under control. When, the, when you've got spiritual eyes of faith, no matter how dark and how difficult and how demanding the situation is, you, there is still hope. And the second thing is understanding. I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message. He's talking in regards to this portion of Scripture and he refers to the immensity of the glorious way of life. As we go about life, as we have eyes of faith, as we have spiritual lenses, spiritual perspective, we have understanding. We understand that what's happening right now is not just what's in the natural. We can understand that the heart and spirit behind words and actions can be very different. We discern what's happening. We have understanding to begin to move forward in this beautiful thing called life. And thirdly, power. It says right there, the, and the, his incomparable great power will come. In fact, it goes on in chapter 1 of Ephesians talking about the same power, that well, the resurrection power of Christ. There's a power 
that spiritual lenses bring you. There's a power when you get your eyes off the natural and looking at the spirit and tracking with God and looking with eyes of faith. There's a power that rises up in your spirit. There's a power to know. There's a power to experience in your life. It's called resurrection power. Hope, understanding, and power. And the opposite is absolutely true. When you just look with natural eyes at life, natural eyes at problems, because they will surely keep coming. If we just keep looking with natural eyes, all three of those diminish. Hope, understanding, and power. And I think there's a lot of people today walking around. They may be out of lockdown. They may be able to go to the beach, go to the movies, no mask, whatever. But you know what? There's no spiritual power. There's no spiritual understanding, and there's no spiritual hope. Friend, I want to tell you today, we've got to look up. We've got to begin to look out to God and begin to trust Him afresh. When you look at your life, what is surrounding your life right now? If you're looking at your life and looking at your life and going, well, is this it? Or if you're looking, looking, you know, looking around church and wondering, is this it? The answer, friend, is the answer is no. This is not it. This is not the entirety of of the situation. This is not the entirety of what God wants to do. God has got more that he wants to do in your life, in my life, and in our church. God is doing more. There's more that's happening in the spirit. I want to tell you there's more coming. There's more people. There's more salvations. There's more cities. There's more church plants. There's more campuses. I'm telling you now, God has got more joy and peace, more of him and less of us. But none of this is going to happen if we don't see properly. If we don't begin to develop spiritual eyes that look and see correctly with eyes of faith. If you're a believer, you cannot live with only using natural eyes. Natural eyes don't see everything. You, you and I can get so discouraged if the only thing you see is what's around you. It's like you get tossed, tossed left and right by every circumstance. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. How about we take some of the energy and the time that we focus on things that are seen, our physical presentation, the, the, the objects we like in our houses and homes and vehicles and Things like that. Why don't we take a portion of that and shift that across to investing in spiritual development, spiritual eyes? Just a thought. I believe those things are eternal. Spiritual things last forever. These things are temporal. They all will die and rust and grow old and decay. These spiritual things, friend, I want to tell you, these are the priority. And I think many folks have suffered because they've not attended to their spiritual well-being over the last two or three years. So today, if you're an unbeliever, you might be asking the question, how do I receive spiritual sight? Well, put simply, it's a gift from God at salvation. When you surrender your life and you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, when you repent of sin and turn to Him and put your faith in Him, it's, it's through Grace alone, through faith alone, from Christ alone. He saves us, and it's a beautiful 
gift from him. So if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have this relationship that I'm talking about and you feel trapped in the natural world, friend, I want to invite you to reach out. Go to the uh, description of this video, find, make, fill in the contact form and let us know. We'd love to talk with you more about what it looks like to know Christ and walk with Christ and enjoy a forgiven, cleansed and stronger, hope-filled life for the future. But if you're a believer today, and I think that's many of you, most of you probably, how you might ask the question, how do I sharpen my spiritual sight? How can I increase my focus? How do I, how do I if you like to use a, the metaphor, how do I clean my glasses? How do I put on my glasses maybe? There are three simple practical pastoral pieces of advice I'd like to give you. Number one, just simply ask God for it. It's a gift from God. It's a supernatural move of the Spirit. Okay, so ask God for it. Number two, look for signposts in God's Word. If you're looking, you've got, you want sight, you want to find your direction, is get into the Scriptures. Just give Him a portion of, of the day, even just 15 minutes, and read the Word of God. But really be present in that and journal. Make notes and you'll find the Word of God will be a signpost. It'll develop a pathway for you. It'll guide you and it will lead you, and your sight will become clearer and sharper. And thirdly, why don't you discuss what you're sensing? If in prayer and reading the Word you sense, hey, this is some direction I want to take, this is a big decision, I think it's really wise and frankly smart to, com to communicate with one or two or three uh, experienced, mature believers who can help you discern and walk forward in your decision-making. And can I just say this? Can I really say this? And I, I don't want to tread on toes. I'm aware of that. But this is what I want to say. There's a big danger in this whole message. There's a really big danger sign for me. So many people make big life decisions with just natural eyes. If your eyes are not eyes of faith, maybe the eyes of fear or greed or envy or just offended, if you're just in your natural state, making big life decisions, I think it's incredibly unwise and probably it's the wrong decision, period. It's only, as I've stated in the sermon and probably will continue in the future, it's only when you have eyes of faith that you can begin to see with a correct perspective. Therefore, if you don't have faith, you don't have spiritual eyes, you're not looking for what God's working in and through you, through the situation. You tend just to, as I would do, just react and respond and just make natural decisions. And sometimes it can have massive consequences. Just moving church is a big deal. Moving city, big deal. Moving jobs, big deal. Family matters, all kinds of financial things. So can I just say it's really dangerous to make big life decisions on just natural eyes. We are spiritual people and we need to be spiritual people. Praise God. Before I close here, I want us to go back to Elisha. Elisha and the servant and the Syrian army in the story. The servant wasn't the only one who couldn't see in the spirit. The other army could not see as well. And as we hear in the story, the Syrians surrounded the city of uh, surrounded the city and Elisha's house and the servant's house was right in the middle and God's army was around them. So if you can imagine them in the middle, then there's God's army, a flaming army of, of fire, just a powerful scene. But the Syrians couldn't see this angelic army and they advanced. And Elisha asked God to make them blind. 
A servant got a sight, but they have now become blind and they're going the wrong way. He says, hey, follow me. And he leads them in the wrong way. He really deceives them. It's about 14 kilometers further to Samaria, right there in the middle of Samaria, the capital of Israel. They open their eyes and they're captured. Now, listen to me. This is so, so important. And it's what I want you to remember from the sermon. Elisha's gentle deception demonstrates a principle. The blind are easily deceived. The blind are easily deceived. The spiritually blind are easily deceived. If you're unsaved out there, you don't know Christ, then, then you have no sight. And, and only Jesus can bring that to you. So as I've said before, let us know. And we'd love to help you. But if you are saved and your eyesight has gone dull or maybe even almost blinded, I think it's time for us to sharpen our sight. I think it's time for us to begin to rise up, Christian. I think it's time for us to begin to believe that God's got a better future and begin to regain momentum for our lives. I think it's time to get fresh hope in our spirit and an optimism to begin to rise up and stir in our very veins once again. I think it's time to look at life differently, to move forward positively. Lord, I want to tell you today, friend, God has great plans for your life. God has great plans for every nation, Auckland City. It tells me in the scriptures that no eye has seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But none of this is going to happen without eyes of faith, without spiritual eyes. And I want to pray for you today. If you realize that your eyesight has become dull, it's almost like spiritual cataracts have come over you and you've just allowed it to drift that way over the last period of time. I want to tell you today, God can supernaturally change it. I wonder if you'd want me to pray for you today. I'm going to pray a prayer that asks God for a change, for a spiritual work in our spirit, in our, in our eyes, in our heart, in our view. If that's you, I want you to just pray along with me. Just agree with me in prayer. Amen. So let's close our eyes if you want to for concentration purposes. And let's pray. Father, I thank you for every soul that's listening today. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, and young person, and even child today who recognizes that their spiritual eyes have grown dull, that, Lord God, their spiritual ears are not hearing anymore. Lord, I'm praying for a supernatural spiritual awakening. Lord, I pray for a stirring in their spirit. And God, on their behalf today, I ask you, God, would you come? Would you once again do a great mighty work in their hearts and minds? Lord, would you stir up out a spiritual sight and grow beautiful, strong, spiritual eyes that we'd be alive on the inside and would perceive and see once again, according to your spirit, come Holy Spirit, we repent of sin, we turn from the natural, we turn from, Lord, things of the flesh and things of the world, and we embrace the spirit. Once again, I'm praying that, Lord God, you'd bring a resurgence of spiritual power into our lives in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website, www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.